Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio Show. And I've got a really special show today, it's another Thriver Show and I've got a lady with an amazing story and I believe that she absolutely has the ability to inspire lots of people with what she has been through. Her story is quite unique in a lot of ways and also too for people that have really suffered with health situations as well as narcissistic abuse, I really believe that this radio show is a must listen to. So, Jill, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Mel. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So, Jill, let's get started by you sharing with the listeners your narcissistic experience and what happened to you. Sure. Um for as long as I can remember, I had anxiety, and my anxiety was so severe that I would wake up in the morning and be nauseous and gag until I vomited, um, and it felt normal for me to do that. I didn't even know that there was something wrong with doing that. I was very type A, and I inherently believed if I didn't suffer, good things wouldn't happen to me. Uh, it took me decades to figure out that anxiety was the problem and that perspectives could be changed. Um, it's no surprise that I met my narcissistic husband and married him because the title he gave me in the beginning was so powerful and intense that I felt worship. I needed that kind of love and help with my anxiety, and I felt like I needed someone to save me, I guess, for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I... I think a lot of us could relate to that, Jill. That um, you know, that model's been there for a lot of us, absolutely. Oh. Um, I was the first female in my extended family to go to college and the only female to go to graduate school. And I just wanted it all and had no guidance out of how to have it all at once. Um, and I really pushed myself to every limit as I really tried to get anything that I could out of life and live it to the fullest. And also, I am from the New York area, and we do have a reputation for being pretty feisty and tough, and so it wasn't really like me to back down from really anything. I really wanted anything that I could achieve. Mm. Anyway, well, were, those, were those expectations what you put on yourself, or it was really what your family put on you? Yes. My family had uh, put a lot on me. My my dad was a narcissist and very wealthy, very stereotypical narcissist with big cars, fancy house, etc. And then my mom was sort of a codependent, well, definitely a codependent, and sort of losing her mind at the same time. So I had a lot of pressure from both my parents in different ways to just be perfect. And then as the oldest of four children, 
I was really responsible for raising the others, especially the youngest. Mm. And it was so much so that if the others didn't behave, my dad wouldn't give me allowance. It was my responsibility, even at 10 years old, to make sure everyone was in line. So I really took that with me and was a perfectionist. Yeah, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah, so when uh, you met the narcissist and when you when you were in the relationship with him, what what started happening? Or what was happening? Well, I when I began law school, I got a disease called ulcerative colitis, which is an irritable bowel disease similar to Crohn's disease, and I'd never heard of it before. And when what I did learn of it, I thought it was just an awful stomach ache that would go away. But instead, my body was being ravaged. My entire large intestine was full of ulcers, and it was causing me horrendous stabbing pain and extreme fatigue, um, as well as joint pain. And I started doing very poorly in law school, which was not something I was used to. Uh, I refused to consider that my illness was to blame or that I had been in and out of the hospital several times. And a friend introduced me to the narcissist saying that he could help tutor me. And I didn't really want his help, kind of being tough girl, but I did accept his help. And he was, in a way, saving me from doing poorly in law school. It, It felt really good at first. But we were different. I was extroverted and had a lot of friends, and he was introverted and didn't. And more and more, he wanted me to just stay in and be with him and have me all to himself. I was very flattered by that, which now I can see as being possessive. Anyway, we ended up getting engaged after law school and moving in together in the city he wanted to live in. So I packed up, moved away from my friends and family to where he wanted to be. Then he didn't work. So I worked and made all the money at first, but he was still asking his parents for money, uh, which seemed very odd to me. At the same time, my health got really bad, and with ulcerative colitis, you have poor absorption. So I was losing a lot of weight and blood, and I felt dizzy and nauseated. But I was very embarrassed by my medical symptoms because it involved my bowel, and I didn't like to talk about it or really even admit to myself that I needed help. So my coworkers, I think, thought I was anorexic because my clothes were spinning on me. I was fainting at work. And yet I was still going to court and being an attorney. Um, Around the same time, my ex-narcissist was on a diet, and he restricted foods, but would drink beer and eat potato chips. But I would eat his restricted foods with him. I didn't drink or eat the chips. But if I wanted a different type of food or even bought a piece of pizza without him on the way home from work, say, he would be furious as though I had cheated on him somehow. Um, I thought that that was odd personality, 
but I didn't really do anything about it other than just think he was quirky. Um, but things like that started getting much worse. And throughout our life together, first in the city he wanted to live in, um, I was making the money, but he was spending most of it. And then as I got sicker and I needed more and more medical attention, he would tell me that I was lazy or lying or just didn't feel like working. Um, then we had our first child, and that was difficult for my body and for working. And when I went back to work part-time, I still worked more hours than him and took care of the baby. Then almost immediately after I got pregnant with my second child while on the pill, because I had poor absorption, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So I was, I, I'm so glad I have her. I, I almost hate to say it. It's a blessing. So I'm, it happened the way it happened. But my body was really, really run down. And from that point on, with a toddler and a newborn, I needed daily naps. I was really unable to get it all together, and I was cranky and miserable. And the narcissist was just cruel to me. Um, he felt like he was doing all the work. If he did a load of laundry, he explained it in such great detail that, that you'd think he had just moved a mountain. Yes. Or that he'd been doing laundry every day of his life for the last 10 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I mean, just... just to describe doing the laundry and here I am doing all these other things and we were we really weren't a unit anymore um, and so around that time his parents offered for us to move back to his hometown and they were going to buy us a house so to me it sounded like a great idea because that's a wonderful gift um, of course it's a gift too good to be true and by the time we signed on to it, or just agreed to, to do that, they had bought the house. I had never even seen it. And they, they bought a house and continued to use the key to come in once we were there and invade my privacy in all kinds of ways. And I had never seen anything like it. And in my house, when I grew up, it was chaotic and dysfunctional. But we were allowed to be independent people as adults. In um, the narcissist family, they're all passive aggressive. So they say one thing but do another. Yes. And and it's just an overriding kind of backhanded smack type of place. And it took me a very long time to figure out what was going on because I spent so much time defending myself and defending that. I am doing important things with my dad, and I am really sick. And what started happening was the narcissist refused to take me to medical appointments. So I had these two small children. Sometimes I had his mom's help, sometimes I didn't. She started behaving the same way as he did, or maybe she always was like that. And because I have um, autoimmune disease, I tend to look good, meaning that I don't use crutches. Uh, or have any obvious disfigurement. And so it was very easy to say, oh, you look great, you must be fine, you must be lazy, you must be lying. And as I became more and more exhausted, 
I started hiding my sleeping as though I was um, an alcoholic or had a drug problem. I would take the phone off the hook and pretend I was doing different things during the day um, while I was sleeping. And I was very, very ashamed of the fact that I needed so many naps. I felt like I was letting the world down and that I was a loser that the narcissist called me. Um, yeah, tough. Absolutely tough. Yeah, and around around that same time, or I guess as, as life progressed, and I kept trying to get well and trying to find different solutions. I did have to have surgery to have my entire large intestine taken out. A very radical surgery to cure the colitis, although it's an autoimmune disease and it keeps going. And the narcissist left me in the hospital and went home because he didn't feel well during that six-hour surgery. Mm, of course. Yeah, and, and you know, I at that point I did want to divorce him, but here's the problem. I was so sick. I was gutted, and it was a three-month recovery, and then I needed a second surgery, and my children were two and four. So where was I going? I really, really was trapped. Not only did I feel trapped, but I physically at that point was trapped. And once he understood that, once I reflect now, um, he kept me sick. As I would get better, he would leave me stranded with the kids and go away somewhere or leave me up in bed knowing I didn't even have the strength to pull the covers over my head because I autoimmune disease carries with it a lot of severe fatigue. Or he would trap me with money and not deposit the full amount of his paycheck. He became a partner in a firm and was able to manipulate money. I could not understand why, after all these years, he suddenly stopped making money and we barely had enough to make ends meet. And I started finding large amounts of cash around the house. And when I asked him about it, he at first told me he was holding it for a client, which I knew was unethical and probably untrue. And then later told me that it was saving for a gift for me. Finally, the third time I found money, I kept it and ended up using it to hire a lawyer. This was after I'd already had a third child and was already so sick. And then even after I separated from him, we got back together again because I felt like I needed him. I felt like that was love. I felt like that kind of calling and coming over and pleading and begging and drama that you see in the movies was what love looked like. And if it was just ordinary, stable, that that wasn't, that wasn't right, that wasn't true love. Oh, that's so true, Jill, isn't it? And isn't that what is depicted through the soap operas and our culture? And we believe that it's got to be high voltage and big highs and lows. And you've really, <laughs> you've really expressed that really beautifully. You have. So, Jill, when did you discover that he was a narcissist? So, I had never. I had heard the term, but I'd heard it more in casual conversation to mean somebody who's selfish or self-absorbed, not true narcissistic issues. There were, there were a couple of things. 
first, he had shared with me earlier in a relationship that a couple of traumatic events that happened to him as a child, which was just shocking. And the parent, passive-aggressive parents that he had, when he tried to talk to them, they would tell him, you know, that didn't happen, even though they knew it did. Or that never happened, and I guess maybe try and change his his memories. And it seems so strange to me. The other thing is he lives with a lot of shame and cares a lot what the neighbors think. And I don't. I care about my family. I care about my values, but I don't really care what others think about me. So in that sense, I'm I'm much more well off probably um, in that situation. But he really became a bully after we moved to his hometown. He really fell into a role where his dad ran his life. And I really tried to just love him hard enough to make myself matter and the kids matter. And we seemed to just come last. And one of the big issues in our marriage was he kept telling me that he wanted me to get a job. He felt like I wasn't working, even though I was home with the kids, even though I had a law degree. And so he was supposed to help me get back on my feet with the attorney, uh, with an attorney job, but then he reneged on that before we moved. Well, before we moved, he told me he would do that for me, and then he reneged after we moved. Then I started catching him in a lot of lies, and he couldn't even remember which lies he had told me when. And then he would tell me that... I never said something, or he never said something, or this never happened. And I spent so much time just trying to prove it to him. So, for example, he wanted me to work. So I had a craft business with the kids. But he degraded me about that, saying it wasn't a law job and it was nothing. So I felt, I felt bad about it. I felt bad about myself. I think that as moms, when we give up our career, we start feeling kind of bad about ourselves. Anyway, stepping out of a big career, especially for me being the first woman in my family to achieve it and then stepping aside. And um, I, so I had a craft business, though, which, which I did sell things internationally. And then from there, I became a um, professor at a local college. And I was very proud of that job. And the turning point for me was when I got the job and I came home to celebrate that I had gotten it. He refused to go out to dinner and celebrate, saying that it's only an adjunct professorship and it doesn't count for anything. Mm, and that's it, isn't it? It wouldn't matter what you did or which way you no. turned, and so many people listening to this are going to relate. You know, you can't win. You can't win. No. You can't make them happy. And, it, and it's, yeah. And for them, it's just. Which way can I demean you or put you down to be able to dump my false self all over you to try and get some inner relief from my own demons? And it, But when you're in it, you know, it's just the most horrible thing because, like you said, you drive yourself crazy and exhausted trying to prove your worthiness or your truthfulness or your intent or, and it just never gets anywhere. And you get very, very caught up in the issue. So with oh, the working issue. They'll hit you at your weak spot, you know. And that that's what they do. They find your gaps and that gap for you was you know, that was that was a, an issue area for you anyway. 
that he could attack. Right. It was it was a, a weak issue for me because I had grown up very wealthy with an narcissistic dad. And the big thing for me was I never wanted to be financially dependent on anybody. At the same time, having a family, um, and I did have a third child afterwards with him, so we had three children, having two big careers, even for the most stable couple I now know, is very difficult. Often one person does take off some time uh, so that someone can work at a career, a big career that takes up 80, 90 hours a week, and then the other person home. Because on the flip side, he would tell me I could raise the kids with my eyes closed, but refused to take a day off and turn his phone off and forth. And he had to... He would always say, I have a trial. I have a job. And, and the kids and I scoured around him like, oh, he's, he's a king, and he's, everything he wants is important, and everything I want is not important. And it took me a long, long time to learn that I was important because I felt trivial. And I felt trivial from growing up, and then I felt trivial later on. The one difference, though, with me growing up is my mom was at home. And when my mom was at home in that generation, she didn't just stay home and do props with us. She played tennis and mahjong and things with her friends. And my dad was fine with that. In fact, he wanted that because that suited his ego. Had my mom worked, he would have felt like less of a man. So I grew up in the sense of life can be good and enjoyable. The narcissist wanted me to be home scrubbing the toilet. I mean, that's basically what I wanted. Ah. Yeah. So, so when did you actually discover, put the pieces together and say, oh my gosh, I'm married to a narcissist? I, or I was. Was it before or after you left him? It was after I left him. First, I, I left him once and then got back together six months later. And then, but I was already gone. Um, I realized before I knew the term narcissist, I realized that he was keeping me sick. He was, um, if I was ill or needed some help on the weekend, he would tell me to be sick on my own time. So I started realizing that that wasn't right. That wasn't. I guess I always knew that. One of the big things, though, was my kids, my older two kids, were watching and commenting on the fighting and the treatment. And one day he gave all three kids a kiss goodbye and ignored me. And one of my children said, what about Mommy? And he said, Mommy doesn't deserve a kiss today. Wow. And, I, it, you know, I, I really just started thinking about, is this what, who I would want my daughters to marry? And the answer was no. And I, I did try to rationalize so often, but as I started finding more and more of myself, which I had lost and given up for him to move to his hometown and to be a mom, I realized he didn't care. He was never going to give me anything back, not a career, not my health, not my friends, not ending any kind of isolation at all for me. It was just, I was becoming a slave, and I was lost, and I was sad and the anxiety was over the top, and then I would put on a great face to go out, and it was, I just wanted to be able to just be sick without having to hide it so that I could start to get well. So I knew I had to divorce him to get well. Um, 
and divorcing him, divorcing a narcissist that doesn't want to be divorced is harder in a way than staying married, though in the long run it's better. <laughs> it's a journey, and especially since I was divorcing a lawyer. So it was, and still is, we still have post-divorce um, litigation where it is just constant fighting, and the discard hadn't ever happened from him because I discarded him, which meant he wasn't done. And about a year and a half ago, I read a book called Gone Girl. It's been made into a movie here in the States. I don't know if, if you've ever read it, but it, it's about... Oh, my gosh. It's about sociopathy and narcissistic personality disorder. And it's a novel... But I read this book, and it's got this surprise ending, and from the beginning, I wasn't surprised. I knew exactly what would happen, and I saw my life in it. I saw my life as a child and my life as an adult. And not only could I not put it down, but I wanted to know what the author did to research for this project. And it turned out that she had done actual research on narcissism and sociopathy. And so I Googled, I wanted all the information, and I came across you early on and just started devouring your article because to tell the story to a sane person, you sound like a nut. It's so hard to tell all these pieces of it. And then he took money, and then he left me in the hospital, and then it sounds crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And a lot of people just... Well, first of all, they don't want to hear it because it's all just so toxic and crazy and nutty, and then they can't even <laughs> and then they can't even fathom it. Absol- look, absolutely. And and, and I, I was, was crazy, crazy too. too. I, 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 not, not crazy, crazy too, too, but I was. <laughs> well, I, we are. We are crazy. Me. We are crazy when when you're living around that much personality disorder, you get sick. There's just no two ways about it. And. You know, I didn't like the person I was in the mirror. Mm. I really didn't. That was another thing about myself. I had stopped even caring or putting on makeup or even having the energy to shower. Of course, I physically also didn't have energy at the same time, and I had horrible arthritis with it. Fibromyalgia, MS started. I get chemo infusions every six weeks. But I feel better now apart from him. I really do, and I just, I didn't like who I was because I was retaliating, I was mad at the different issues, I was trying to prove myself, but I'd also get furious, I was, it, it isn't who I am, it, I was just angry and unhappy all of the time, and there was no winning because there was no love, and I couldn't understand how either he stopped loving me or he didn't have the capacity to love me. And I didn't understand not having the capacity, but that really is what it is. There's just no capacity there. And isn't that true, Jill? That is just one of the most horrible things that just gnaws at us, and I know it did for me too, is, you know, well, you say you love me, but you don't. It's not true. It's not... And... It was such an outer journey, isn't it, of looking to the outside to them and saying, well, why don't you love me? Why aren't your words true? Why weren't your promises true? Why aren't you who you pretend to be when we have to turn all around into the inner journey to get the relief from that? 
we have to turn it to the inner journey. And even as a self-confident on the outside person who doesn't care what, what others think, I did care what he thought. And I would ask him, how's my hair? How's the outfit? And it's like, instead of saying even the most typical, oh, you look great, honey, he would nitpick and critique, which made me very anxious. And now I can see it in other people very clearly, like standing in public somewhere. I can see it. A man hits at a woman and her just becomes crestfallen. And I think, oh, no, oh, no, this is, he's not worth it. You're beautiful. Mm, but as we know, it's about her knowing that. Right. And you look to this person who's really, it's like a bully in school. It's just living with a bully all the time, constantly knocking you down for no reason other than jealousy, I guess. Oh, and another interesting thing that would happen is I, I, I'm not so jealous of anybody else, which may be strange for me, but I'm always happy for what other people have. I mean, jealous, I guess maybe envious. I'm not ever like, oh, I don't like you because you have this. If I were to share some news about a friend getting a new house or taking a great trip, my ex-narcissist would say, you just tell me these things to make me feel bad. And it was so surprising to me that, that that's how he processed that. And then I would go to defend myself and we'd be off on a tangent in a flurry. And so finally, I knew that I had to help myself. I knew that I had to first physically, so I could physically do it, and then emotionally get well. And I knew that I had anxiety. I had been in anxiety counseling and was getting some treatment for it. But it really wasn't enough. And last September, I hit some kind of a breakdown where I would get the kids off to school and then I was just crying and shaking all day. And I really started studying about your articles and your information. And so logically, it really started to make sense. But just knowing so obviously you would have totally put the points together and gone, okay, he is a narcissist. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. As soon as I saw your, um, as soon as I saw you laid out, and you talked about that there are patterns and that everybody goes through these patterns, I couldn't believe that this nonsense fit into a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's, it's almost like almost every box on the checklist could be checked off. And then there it was, and not just him, but my dad as well. Even though it manifested differently. So I married a very similar person. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, so so what happened? Like you were going through the information and then and then what happened? And where, where, so you were separated at this time. Things were still really tough. Your health was really a problem. How were you at that point? Emotionally Emotionally or physically? Emotionally, I guess. Let's start there. I was an emotional wreck, I would say. When I first... It took us three years to get divorced because he had a lot of litigation. He tried tried every aspect of this case. And for him, it's it's not a big deal because he's a trial attorney. It's like sport. It's like a sport. And... We'd be arguing in my driveway, and every little thing that happened would really get to me. 
the kids were being dragged down by it. Two out of three of my kids were going with him on a regular basis, then one stopped. And I always had a kid with me, so I never had any personal time at all. I tried dating right off the bat and got involved in, while I was separated, got involved in a relationship I was not ready for. And then I decided to stop dating and try and find myself first because it's like just jumping from the hand to the fire or whatever that expression is. So I was really lost, and I I missed myself. I felt like I had been suffocated, and then where was I? And why would I be so lost without him? This this man that was an introvert didn't really have any friends, who I tried to pull up out of a funk, who was still really living under his parents' wing, and he was the one that was making me feel sad. And so I I knew that I had to help myself, but I didn't know how. I had no idea how, and I had been in therapy. But it's like 50 minutes of just talking, and then by the time you get into the issue of the week, it's time to leave. And I didn't have the tool to go inside and release any of the stress at all. And I read your information. Um, it's all free ebooks I have read that talk about the narcissistic personality, talk about the lack of capacity to love or care, talk about that it's really unfixable and you're not dealing with a regular person when you're having a conversation. It's all just being used for some sort of and that was exactly what was happening to me. And so you, you talked about no contact, which was very hard for me to do. And still, is, I try to do modified contact. But it was the first time I ever realized that he was benefiting from fighting with me just as much as he was benefiting from good times with me. Mm, absolutely. It's all I didn't realize that supply. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that what narcissistic supply was. I didn't realize that he was basically using me for that. I did notice that if I asked him for help, he was unavailable. If I wanted the kids, he wanted to take them. I noticed all that. I also started noticing that he's only around sometimes, and if there's no other person in his life, he seems to want to fight with me more. And then I was giving him the supply. And then I decided to try um, the shift, the NARP program shift, because I was shaking and crying, and I I was at the bottom now. I just really was at the bottom, and I wanted to just try anything to make the pain go away because I was so nervous I could barely open my mailbox for fear of a bill I couldn't pay. And I didn't want to feel so bad about myself anymore. I felt so horrible about myself. There were days I felt like it would be easier not to be alive. And those were dark days because I have three young children. Yeah, it must have been incredibly hard and with the health and everything else. So when you... So then what happened? 
as a result of working now. I'm sorry, I cut out for one minute. Could you repeat that? Yeah. So then what happened as a result of working now? So the very, very first time when I did it, I remember feeling exhausted. I almost couldn't get through the first module. I might have even fallen asleep in the middle. But it was such an overwhelming relief just doing module one the very first time. And it was the first time I had ever gotten such quick relief where a load shifted from me so that I understood you're lovable just as you are. There's nothing wrong with you. So what if you take a nap in the middle of the day? That's my issue. So what if you don't have any money? And of course, the more I worried about money, the less I had. At this point, I was on welfare with my kids, and and I had been trying to get my husband to pay for things because he had nice cars. Your shift got me to focus on me. What does Jill want? And you know what? I had no idea what I wanted. Not a clue. And that was a big revelation, too, because I had been doing everything for everybody else my whole life. I had no idea what would make me happy or what I had been carrying around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And how were we to know that? You know, and I think the thing was we were just surviving and we were... Uh, probably over-functioning. I know I certainly was in life and a lot of it was out of fear and survival programs and it's only been now since freeing myself that I've been free to know and pursue what I want without guilt and without... But no, I should actually really be doing that or without handing my power and my energy over or, or away to things that are really based on survival or approval. That's what my life used to be. Right, right. The, and the and approval the thing, thing is the huge thing that I that I think I got right away logically and energetically out of the shift was that it's okay to just be exactly who I am. I am, I am lovable just as I am, and I don't know that logically I ever thought I was unlovable, but I did think, how could I ever get remarried? Who would want someone who is sick? or who would want someone who doesn't whatever I don't do. And the biggest thing I started getting out of the shift is that I'm lovable for all I'm not as well as all that I am. And it, I started feeling better about me. And when I started feeling better about me, I started having music on in the kitchen and dancing with my kids again. And I started, everything started feeling more joyful. And my, and my kids, kids were more, more joyful, joyful because I was more joyful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when we're carrying that pain and that stuff around, we just, we can't be that person. We're just too clogged up and too in the fight and too trying to win approval and too trying to fix the outside, outside of it. So it's, it's, it's a really, really difficult thing. So, so where... You know, talk a bit about, you know, where you're at now. How have things shifted? How have they changed for you? Okay, well, the shifts have been absolutely wonderful. It's the only time in my entire life that I've really gotten in touch with myself and who I am. And I know it's very cliche, but it's so true. You've got to know who you are before you can find 
love in anything. I haven't been anxious to go out and date because I've, I've wanted to do this, but I do one day want to be um, re- resettled. I don't know if remarried, but repartnered with an adult. But I certainly want to be able to know what it is that I want and and boundaries. I had no sense of boundaries ever, and that it's okay to say no to people asking me for a bake sale, but it's also okay to say no to your children, because I, I know that... I'm sorry, Mel. Yeah, sorry, no, we've, you're still here, Jill. Oh, okay. Um, I can say no to my children, because I... I definitely am proud of the mothering job I've done, especially since a lot of it's been from bed. But I never wanted to let my kids down in any way, especially when I was tired. So I would drag myself so that they didn't miss anything. And then I got sicker and more exhausted. And I started learning that it was necessary to give them quality time over quantity. And my kids adjust with that. They, they will come in off a snuggling bed and, and we'll discuss homework or watch a movie, and I'm not saying this is the greatest way to live. But if I was a high-flying attorney, I wouldn't have the same time with them. And so I do feel blessed for things having turned out the way that they did, and that's because of the shift. Everything that I look at now is the same situation, but I'm looking at it differently. I'm feeling it in a more positive light. Yeah, and that's great to have some. Marianne Williamson calls it miracle mindedness. You know, when you can open up to the field and you can start feeling supported and you can actually start seeing the gift and the truth in things. And it does really, really change. So, Jill, Nonapi is a deep inner discovery journey. You know, what inner programs, if you were to really say, well, you know, well, this was the stuff within me that I needed to up-level. This is why this happened to me. What were the big things for you that you know you needed to up-level? I am. I needed to up-level. My two big issues were money, for sure, too much or too little. I needed to up-level my association of money with worth. And that and sounds that really sounds funny, funny, I guess. No, Maybe. that's a huge one. And I think I, I can totally relate to that too. That used to be massive for me. That security or what I had was, yeah, how I could achieve or what I was worth or was my value. And for me personally, it took losing an enormous amount of money two times over to do <laughs> narcissists for me to finally get the message that my value and worth is me. I, I, understand I understand that because, that because I, I grew up with a lot, lot of money. money. I, was I was punished, punished by having money withheld as a child, child, even though we were very, very wealthy, but I didn't have any spending money if that was withheld. And I always, I always worked. And then I achieved this big career that I worked in part of the time. And, um, but then with my narcissist lost money as well. And the more I worried about money, the more um, nervous that money made me, the more dependent I felt on somebody else. And 
part of me part felt of me like that was okay because it's family, but then it really wasn't okay because I did give my power entirely, and that's not required. And so what happened was, we were on, I was on lockdown. I felt so low. It was like, the more I worried and was frustrated about it, the worse it got. And so I definitely needed to up-level it, and I understand now about the law of energy, which is it doesn't really matter whether you don't want to be poor or you do want to be poor. If you're really focusing so hard on it, it's going to be delivered to you. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And from a logical point of view, I was spinning my wheel. I was doing anything I could to cobble together some money, but I live in a very cold place, and all three of my kids also have different autoimmune diseases, so somebody was always home sick. It was like stumbling block after stumbling block, and I know that I can think out of the box, and so I really needed to do that, to start thinking out of the box in terms of helping myself. And I'm not saying that you don't have to go out and try to look for for work, but it doesn't have to be in the traditional nine to five thing. It can be what I'm doing right now is tutoring, and it can be more flexible, and that can work as well. So I needed to up level this feeling that I was never going to have any financial security. That was a really, really big one for me. The other mm. thing is belief systems, isn't it? You know, if we have that fear that used to be mine, how, when am I ever going to be secure? When am I going to be ever, ever going to be secure? And then all I did was lose security in those beliefs. You know, until I up leveled to, you know, I'm a secure part of Source, flowing Source and abundance through me, and Source has my back and adores me. That was when I felt secure, and then I could let go of all fear of security. It has just been a completely different trip ever since. As I, as I, as I um, up-leveled through the different modules and was able to stay awake through all of them, and I was asleep because I was emotionally exhausted as well, things shifted for me on a, on a personal level before any money came in, and I'm not rich by any, <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. I just feel a lot better about everything. But I had an outpouring of love from the community. People knew that I was going to the food shelf where I needed help, and I got help from neighbors would show up at my door with groceries. People would run to the store for me. I got help from the school reaching out to help with my, my kids in different situations, and this was all asked for. I got an outpouring of love that I never would have known had I not gone through this. And I've donated my whole life. I've always donated, but I've never really known where it went or what it did. And as a result of this, now on Christmas Eve, my two older kids and I will be serving at our local soup kitchen for their Christmas dinner. So up-leveling, this has made me a better person and... I mean, I just appreciate humanity so much more than I ever did before because of my money issues. And I really have learned that love can't be bought and friendship can't be bought either. And I've had neighbors step up and help with my house. And I help with their children and and their, their needs as well. And I feel good about myself doing that. 
it really takes a village. So that's been a major, major benefit from all of this. Beautiful. So how do you see yourself and your life going forward now and, and how are your kids now and what's the story there? So my oldest child is going to go to college next year, so I do have a shift coming up in my life with that, and uh, he is doing really well. I'm super proud of him and all his achievements that, that he's been through. He also um, had some chronic issues, so I'm really proud of him. Um, my middle daughter, I'm also very proud of She She's been used as a pawn by my ex-narcissist and there was she was super close with me and then there was alienation going on post-divorce just last year and it was awful because um, it was hard to parent a teen girl when there's another parent out there saying oh your mom's crazy your mom's awful and, and come live with me and we hate her and I I, I could see him wooing her the way that he had me. And what I had to do with that, I, I wrote to you actually, and you helped me formulate a plan to help her by proxy. And I remember you telling a story about you going through a similar thing with your son. I eventually did uh, have my daughter go live with my ex-narcissist for a little while because things had gotten so crazy in my house in Volatile. And while she was gone, I did the work by proxy through the module. And I also listened to an episode that you had about a woman, maybe it was several women, and you talked about the need for parents to face their problems and take ownership of them. And be responsible so that they can parent their children. Otherwise, the children end up suffering the same fate as the parents. And I realized it was my responsibility to, to be a parent here, to set some boundaries. I had really been anxious of ever hurting any of my kids' feelings or not letting them fulfill even the smallest dream. And so I had to up-level that. I think I was over mommy. Yeah, that makes sense. And so by up-leveling it, things got a lot better with her. Almost overnight, they did by proxy. She wasn't talking to me for several weeks. I did try and call her almost every day, and then I stopped, and I was doing it by proxy. And as I was using your modules by proxy, and I stopped calling for two days, she reached out to me. And inside, of course, she's still a kid, and she does need a mommy, not a best friend. So this has been really, really helpful for me to regain my strength and be a good example to her as well as a source to myself. And it has to start with self. And for the people that are listening that don't, uh, maybe don't know what proxy by proxy is, I actually did uh, a radio show exclusively on that with a gentleman named Ian who was uh, working on his son in his 20s that has had a lot, a lot of issues. And the radio show is all about that. And 
Um, interestingly with that, I have sessions with Ian still. He still works with me and Proxy with his son and the difference with his son is absolutely astounding. And what Proxy means is that we're actually using our body energetically by proxy for that person. And so, And what we're doing is we're picking up our fear and our pain and our stuff in regard to that person and we're shifting it out of our own body and then that person up levels in our experience and as parents we've got an incredible connection to our children energetically and on a DNA level and when we do the healing directly on our body for them they shift it, it um, was incredible what they did with my sons and my relationship which looked like it was completely gone looked like there was no hope for it shifted in three weeks and uh, it, it is powerful work. So that's wonderful, Jill, that that gave you, you know, in a couple of days, she comes, you had that big shift with her. I did I have did that have big that shift, shift, and, and um, you inspired me and the story with Ian did as well. Of course, it's not all perfect. We still do have ups and downs, but I have boundaries now, and so I handle it differently. I was really seeking her approval as well, which sent me into a complete tizzy prior to using the modules. Well, I was already using the modules, but prior to realizing that I could work with, with my children through this because I needed to have a sense of self for me, structure for my, my family, my other kids. And, and we're an open, friendly group. They can talk about anything. I'm talking about slamming doors and huge fits and that kind of thing. And then my baby girl, my youngest is nine, and all this turmoil in her life, the parental conflict and then the conflict with her sister has led her to feel anxious about a lot of things. And I used your um, NARP information to help her. And what I did was I used your wording through the NARP module, you talk about um, going going inside yourself, doing the shift, um, thinking about your anxieties and putting it into a matrix and then letting it all go. And I've done that with her, and it has worked so well. She's relaxing and releasing it, and it's gone. So it's, it's an amazing tool. Kids are so incredible, aren't they? I just love how kids have so much less resistance than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah resistance no resistance at all. She, she, she wanted, wanted to, to feel better, better and, and, you know, not, not be, be so, so anxious about, about everything. And, and she, she, she believes in everything. everything. So this so is, it's is wonderful, wonderful for her. Oh, and then hey, you and I have recently, I've wanted to move forward with my fatigue and health issues as well as physically moving away from the constant drama because I've not been able to do even good modified contact because unfortunately in the court system here, if one person files something, the other person has to answer, and it's happening almost every six weeks. So it keeps me engaged even when I don't want to be. And so now at this point, I need the strength to move away from this, um, at least emotionally, if not physically, and it's big. It's a big journey. It's not just cutting him off totally. It's getting this out of my life with constant toxic drama, 
and I feel so tired emotionally and physically. Can you talk to me about going into past lives and seeing what came up with those sorts of shifts? And I have hit on a couple of of things there that I'm working with to release even more layers of resistance. Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. And Jill, you know, I think um, one of the, the big points about this show is, you know, your your health, we're going to, we'll co-work on that a lot more deeply and, and really, really clear that. But your health, since you've been doing the inner work, things have changed there, haven't they? How you've been they doing have. that. How the, if you can just describe what's happened with that, because I think that's so important for the people out there that have really been struggling with chronic health problems. Sure, sure yeah. yeah. Um, um, there's been a couple of changes. changes. The, the first, first big change, change was emotionally, and I know yeah, others with chronic health problems, problems especially, especially in, um, uh, invisible illnesses, problems. which are the autoimmune diseases, a lot of them are in situations where, whether it's a boss or a family member telling them that it's not really true, that they're just lazy, and, and you start to really internalize that. And that's the first thing that, that's got to get out of your system is the second-guessing your own body and not being able to honor your body because that hurts you more. Mm, that is so, so true because I know a lot of people in the community too have struggled with fibromyalgia and, mm-hmm. and and that is one of those, you know, complaints, isn't it? Where a lot of people just are like, well, just get over it. Right, right, right. And, right. They, and they, I have fibromyalgia, my, 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 my health is one of my things, things and, and they yeah, come and go and go in flares. So, so sometimes, sometimes you feel you okay and some days you can't get out of bed, bed and, and it's embarrassing, embarrassing when your body your fails you that way, way. let alone if others can't see it, they're, it, they're judging you. So, you, so you, you do need to be a source to yourself and say, wait a minute, I don't feel well and that's enough. I don't need to explain myself to anybody. And that's the biggest hurdle that I've overcome with the shift is not feeling the need to explain Myself. Yeah, and that is huge. That is huge. And moving forward, you know, how, because we've had those deep discussions about how you can actually target the emotional, uh, you know, the emotional stuff that's really, you know, because it's disease. It is disease, you know. And I think the thing is for a lot of us that have been over-functioning and we've been trying to be perfect and we're trying to be this or we've been trying to be that or trying to be approval. I mean, I ended up with my adrenal system shot to absolute pieces and I was I was told that I would never recover from that, that I would always have to manage that. That's where I ended up on a health level and I found that when I went deeply, 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 deeply into that and really into all the deep core reasons as to why this had manifested and come out in such a horrific way in my life. It was because I'd always had those beliefs that I'm not good enough. I've always got to prove myself. I was always in survival, which is all about adrenal, trying to be better, 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 because if I'm not better at it or I'm not the best or I'm not winning or I'm not achieving or I'm not creating, I'm not going to live. I'm not going to survive. They were very deep, ancient survival programs for me that ended up blowing my adrenals to bits. 
but when I healed all the reasons that they were blown to bits, my adrenals completely, completely healed, 100%. So, you know, and I really, and this isn't about false hope, this isn't about definite fever. You know, it was wonderful that it all manifested that way for me and I was able to create that own healing for myself. But the thing was, I didn't even have that expectation when I was doing it. It was just like, well, I really believe in up-leveling and I really believe that um, our natural sort of state can be well-being and we're meant to be well-being and we can be well-being. You know, so I'm going to have a really red-hot crack at it. That was my belief. And I did and it worked. So, you know, Jill, I'm excited that we're going to do some work together on having a red hot crack at what's been going on with you that's led to this level. Oh, I'm no, so I'm excited so about that too because, because I, I, told I told you that I definitely, that I definitely have, have pain and flare-up flare days, but my biggest, my biggest problem, problem is with chronic, chronic relentless fatigue and it's, and it's interrupting, interrupting my entire, my entire life. life. And, and I... I I can see now by starting doing some of the work with you where it comes from, as well as always, I've felt guilty my entire life, or felt responsible, I guess, for others, for helping with my siblings, for taking care of my children, for taking care of an ex narcissist for not wanting to ever disappoint anybody. And my body really just gave out, and I was not honoring my body. I was vacuuming in the middle of the night instead of sleeping so I could have a perfect home. And I also, of course, did have a chronic illness as well, but this is the type A that I was until my body said no more. And even then, I was disappointed, and my own was critic. And so by so up-leveling up and befriending myself, I guess is a good way to say it, getting inside myself and realizing if I don't love myself and respect myself, how could I expect anybody else to? How could I ever live a life? Absolutely. And everything is so much better now. The other thing I should mention is that I don't even associate with people who are like my ex-husband anymore. If someone comes on really strong out of the blue with a lot of attention and overwhelming, I don't want any part of it. I I am much more likely to make a friend and a true, genuine relationship with just other human beings because I don't need all that other nonsense in my life. Nobody does. It isn't it wonderful when, you know, the show and the gloss and which really was, oh my God, you know, maybe finally I'm going to be secure. Maybe finally I'm going to be safe. Absolutely, I know that's what it was for me. And now that just doesn't cut it for me anymore. You know, the glitz and the glamour. It's it's about really true people. No, No, who have got great souls. And I think what you was well, what you were saying before was about the community and the joining together and the love and the uh, you know the oneness that you experience with that outpour. Those are things that money can't buy. They're that those are qualities of the soul. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the stuff that turns me on these days. 
Oh, me too. Me too. And those are the types of people that I want to hang out with, the people that are giving back to the community. And I would also like to say to you and and everybody listening is that you don't need to be saved from yourself. Reaching out to others to make you feel better, especially with the I need to be dating someone or I need a man because I have felt that way too. Never really never lets really you lets get what you get want. want. I, I guess I maybe guess you can get a new piece of jewelry, jewelry or something, or but something. then the void comes back because you're still you're looking still for looking someone else to tell you tell that you're pretty, pretty or that you're smart or that you're worthy. And really, you just are worthy and wonderful. And that's what the levels and the modules and the art really, really help with. And once you get there, then the people I have in my life are all true friends. They're all good people. Or else you just you don't even interact with them anymore. I just don't even interact with those sorts of people, except for I do still have the co-parenting situation. But in terms of letting somebody new in my life or some petty person, I just walk right by them. It doesn't affect me at all anymore. It's not your reality. There's a lovely story about your mum, too, and your mum's up-leveling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mom my is. My my mom, my mom um, had been through an awful lot with, with, with my dad and still talks about it a lot and was... When when I was when younger, she was, was, was abusive when I was very small and then much better. And, and when I look at it look now, you know, there was no help for people like that that were so overwhelmed and just expected to just be a parent and figure it out. Totally. And, oh, yeah, when I look at her, I wonder how she did it, and I, as a parent myself, can see that it was just, she was way over her head. It was a narcissist, and then all the money and the glam and the blitz, and she was really a pawn. And so what's happening with her is actually we're going on vacation next week. She, my stepdad, and, and the kids, and, you know, she she's decided that she's had enough of holding on to bad feelings and grudges and would like to be moving forward into her life. And so she's doing it as well. Oh, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? It really it is. is. It really is. You're never really too old to live, right? Mm. And I think I, I always found, well, I found always in my life that whenever, and by doing the shift work, that the important people around to me change as well. Everybody starts raising on onto a higher level. Oh, oh. That's n- is, that is that because you, you can't really can't tolerate, tolerate the, the nonsense no. anymore? <laughs> no, it's because no, I I think well, definitely I would have very authentic conversations where I would show up in a different way rather than internalizing or mm-hmm. or uh, projecting. I could just very honestly from the heart speak up, and I also think a lot of it too was just simply energy. You know, because I was shifting and changing and setting an example and leading the way, they'd raise up their energy. Or it would almost be like, well, wow, what are you doing? Because, you know, you're so happy and you look so great. You know, <laughs> I, I want some of that. You know, there was that going on as well, I think. 
Right, right. Well, there is something huge to be said with taking it out of the shadows and, and no more shame and blame and just putting it all out there. And um, it is what it is, and then we can deal with it. The shame is so much worse. Oh, definitely. It's crippling. It is crippling, and I'm so grateful to having found your program and to be continuing with this because a little over a year ago I was done really fighting hard and I just looked down and was crying all the time. And it was because I was really just lost. Mm, Yeah, I know you were. And, you know, the health thing has been a massive thing for you. And, Jill, what I would really, really love to do is, you know, we're going to work on this some, you and I together. Love that. We're going to work on the uh, on, on the physical stuff, and you know, I would love to. When the time's right, absolutely. How about we do a follow-up show on that? Because I really think we're going to. I think we're going to do some really good stuff with this health stuff. Well, I would well, love I would that. Love that. That, would that would be wonderful, wonderful to get my life, get my life back, back, especially, especially just eliminating the fatigue, the fatigue portion, portion rather than the pain. But that would be that absolutely would be wonderful. wonderful. And, I hope to be of help to anyone else who's, who's out there feeling really trapped um, with a double whammy, narcissist, and health conditions as well, because there really, there really is hope out there to just get your life back on track and take control of it. And you have. You've done an enormously wonderful job from where you've come, and with what's going on and with the three little kids and the way he's been and with the health on top of it. And uh, you've done a great job, Jill. You really have. And I think we're just going to take this to an even greater level. I want to really help you out with this health stuff. And we, I mean, you're already on to it. You're, you're already, you know, we've only just started working with this. You're getting really into the cool wounds. I think you're getting a great understanding of how to shift it. I think you're going to start seeing some results pretty quickly. And how about we call this part one? Um, we'll have you back <laughs> and we'll do... Uh, and, you know, this isn't about pressure or expectations. This is just going to be a natural progression. Oh, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. And I, I expect to keep progressing. And thank you so much for everything and all you do and and your your love and friendship. I really appreciate it. Oh, Jill, you are so welcome. So thank you so much, Jill, for coming on and sharing your story. I know a lot of people with health stuff, they're really going to relate to this. So thank you so much, Jill. Oh, you're You're welcome. welcome. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Mel. Okay, and we'll talk again soon, Jill. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. So everybody, I hope that uh, you enjoyed that show and that, for people out there that are struggling with autoimmune diseases such as um, complaints, such as fibromyalgia or lupus or um, any of the bowel complaints, you know, I really, I, it's going to be wonderful sharing part two. I'm very quietly confident that we're going to be able to find the deep causes of what's really been going on here and up-level that and break uh, Jill free to better health. And uh, so that is it for me for this week and for the latest Thriver show. And you'll see, um, you'll be able to put any uh, comments or questions on the blog show tomorrow, on the blog article tomorrow. 
And I'm sorry that I'm a little bit tired tonight too. <laughs> I've just come into Singapore from uh, Chiang Mai and had to do a lot of early, early morning clients in Chiang Mai to try and get stuff done with mum. So I'm uh, going to have a little bit of a sleep in tomorrow morning, but it's all so worth it. That's what thriving's all about. But even thrivers have to remember to get a little bit more sleep. So thank you everybody for tuning in and I'll be back next week and I'll be answering your questions and comments on the blog that will come out in the next couple of days and I know that Jill will be happy to answer any questions that that you might post to her as well. So that's it for me everybody. Lots of love and bye-bye.